Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, listeners. Thank you for downloading this first episode in our new Ghibliotech in Japan mini-series. We're really excited to share these recordings with you. We recorded two episodes while we're out in Japan and now we're back in the UK where it's grey and dismal and rainy. We're going to be catching up with a few final episodes at the end of the mini-series too. Jake, how are you taking the jet lag, the return to the everyday life in the UK? Um, I managed to go to sleep at 7.30pm on one night. Uh, So... That was a strange day, strange evening, strange night. Uh, it's been a couple of days now. I think I'm fully adjusted. I did have to really grind out watching a Bake Off episode uh, all the way to the, the late, late hour of quarter past nine. Uh, but I made it and, and I'm, I've lived to tell the tale. Oh, brilliant. I, I um, On Halloween night, my partner and I watched Talk To Me by all accounts, the edge of your seat's gripping horror of the year, and I fell asleep three times during it. <laughs> <laughs> so I might have to try, try that again. It's been quite a, yeah, quite an adjustment period coming back and going from, what are we doing, 30,000 steps a day on average? Yep. Often being in two cities in the same day, starting in one place, ending in the other, and now being back pretty much within the four walls of my office, um, Barely making my 10k steps, barely seeing six people per day is very, quite a culture shock. (laughs) (laughs) But let's tee up this first episode. So one of the first things we did while we were out in Japan is we went to Universal Studios Japan, which is just outside of Osaka. And we got together, the three of us, in our hotel room to run through our top 10 rides of the day. Unfortunately, we only got on 10 rides so it was a very all-encompassing list of rides wasn't it jake yeah and an amazing day and we won't go into too much into it because we we spend an hour going into it in the recording you're about to hear um but a wonderful theme park experience and very different to our ghibli park experience which will be in the next episode of this run yeah, absolutely. Tune in next week for that. But we should say thank you to the JNTO, the Japanese National Tourism Organization, for helping us plan our trip. Also to uh, the hotels that we thank throughout the episodes for shacking us up for our, our time out in Japan. There's also a really special extra tidbit 
at the end of the episode for people who want to stick around not only through our hour-long chat about usj but then stick around past the credits we have a special message um from you know we, we were we are two lads that were enjoying usj you and me jake uh, but we also have a message from ossian and finian colin friend of the show robbie colin was also out there with his family doing almost the opposite journey to us uh, up and down japan in the same week but ossian and finian were at usj a bit later in the week to us and wanted to contribute their top 10 once they knew that we had our top 10 well and i think it's important to say that usj is not primarily aimed in in all aspects to 30 something men um and a, th- a theme park uh, one that contains a, a minion area, it perhaps does have a demographic that slightly skews a bit younger. So I think it's good to have that alternate point of view <laughs> represented on this episode. Although we are kids at heart, we are not literally kids. <laughs> so it's great to have that opinion straight from the source. Um, although really fascinating to see where we kind of align and depart from each other. Mm on our opinions on the actual rides so stick around through the credits for that but for now you can hear me jake and steph in a hotel room going back across our crazy day at universal studios japan cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Ghibliotech, the podcast that travels all the way to Japan to talk about things not just related to Studio Ghibli, but related to all things Japan. I'm Michael Leader. I'm Steph Watts. And I'm Jake Cunningham. And I've got expressed parts. So join us on our quest into the glorious world of Japan. So Jake, Steph, we're recording today for the first time in the same room in years i can't actually remember the last time we recorded all in the same room i can't either <laughs> um it might even be it's pre-pandemic yeah. maybe in the a cast office yeah what a time God. three years ago yeah. um but here we are we're all together and we're not just recording together we're recording in a completely different time zone to how we normally record we're on the other side of the planet yeah, it makes a difference to the other side of London. 
<laughs> yeah, so we're in Japan once more. We return to the scene of the crime uh, from 2019 uh, to go deeper into the country and its culture. We planned out quite a hardcore itinerary for ourselves over the course of seven days, starting in the sort of southwest of the country, working our way up all the way to Tokyo to end with. Where are we right now, Jake? Right now we're in Kyoto, and this is only day two, and we've already been from Osaka down to Hiroshima, back to Osaka, and from Osaka to Kyoto. Yes, we just pulled in by train <laughs> this evening, and we, yeah, we've done so much in the first couple of days, and we arrived very late, 24 hours on the road to get here, so we're still... The clocks are running backwards, forwards, side <laughs> to side, really. We have no idea where but, we are and when we are. I mean, thank God for a beautiful rail infrastructure <laughs> because it's been astonishing the amount of rail time we've already used in those brief 48 hours. Um, but we've we've traversed a good quarter of the length of the country maybe at this point already. Absolutely. And we find ourselves in quite classy digs right now. We're staying at the Hotel Higashiyama, um, which is a Kyoto hotel, um, and we, which is a n- nice way to cap off a day of, I don't want to say quite cheap thrills, but <laughs> per- perhaps not the classiest thing you could do if you came to Japan. We went to Universal Studios, which is pretty high up on the geek list of things to do. Uh, I think right from the very beginning when we were planning to make our trip com- to come back here, we knew that Universal Studios would be quite high on the list, right? Well, I, I mean, it was a point of debate, would you say, Steph? I mean, I think we, you know, last time we didn't do a lot of cultural activities. <laughs> this time, hoping to do more of that. But we have just spent a whole day <laughs> uh, riding big roller coasters. So, yeah, there was a point where I think we were not necessarily considering doing it. Well... I'd say there are two things that have happened in since 2019 in terms of what happened, what things that opened in Japan that we said, if we go back, we have to do this. And one was the Ghibli Park, which we're going to visit later in the week. And we'll talk about that at length later in the week. The other thing was the opening of Super Nintendo World at Universal Studios Japan. So that's one reason. If we talk about the you know, pop culture is a broad church. Well, I mean... Last night, we were at an incredible bar in Osaka uh, called Bar 6 Blue. And this was a place that, the kind of place that you only see in films, where there was only four seats at Mm -hmm. the bar. It was tiny, just one barman doing everything. And so three out of the four seats for us. One was another guy in a suit who was very happy to take pictures of us and strike up very fragmented conversations. But one of the things that he did say were the three words, Japan loves USJ. <laughs> <laughs> and so as, as a sign that our trip to Universal Studios Japan uh, was, a, was a good part of the itinerary to add on mm-hmm. in the last few weeks, I think, I think I felt assured last night that we made the right call. Well, I I felt assured after all of the deep dives you'd been doing into Reddit and the subreddits such as r slash rollercoasters, talking about the way to almost professionally go about tackling USJ. Yeah, and I I sense a jokiness in your voice, Michael, but I I think the people people of r slash rollercoasters really helped us out. I think we will get into it, but I think 
by 10 o'clock this this morning we had already covered off a lot of the key items we went to the park for i am not joking whatsoever because one thing that we you'd read about and you'd relate to us is that there's a secret opening time that's actually before the opening time of the park and if you get there you might get an extra half an hour on the rest of the world and in that time we packed in one of the most um important and most uh, popular rides in the park and we managed because we were there so early we were there what time were there seven o'clock half seven we were there at seven yeah um ready to pounce and run you saunter jog through the park to the area we want to go to walk Walk with purpose um so we were able to tackle and in the space of what so we arrived there seven seven thirty and we left four four thirty something like that so we were there for nine hours and we got we did ten rides. I think the best way to tackle it really is probably a top ten because we did do ten, nice and easy. Yeah. That's a round number. We can go around. Maybe we we can do it where we list off our top ten, and when we get to a point where we've all mentioned one of them, we can then go in depth. So we should probably, by way of introduction, so, sort of say that USJ is split up into different areas, mostly now, you know focusing on certain big franchises they have the area that's harry potter area they have the area that is super nintendo world which is mostly mario stuff they have areas where it's called hollywood where they've got a lot of other film or video game related franchise things happening also a kiddie area which we didn't go on any rides in but that had this unholy trinity of kiddie kitty characters that never really should be seen side by side (laughs) hello kitty sesame street and snoopy which was pretty amazing as a fan of the Snoopy comics to see so much Snoopy stuff going on. I was wearing a Snoopy t-shirt today and I got commented on many, many times. But you had a t-shirt on as well, Steph, didn't you, that got commented on? I was on. wearing a t-shirt to USJ. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. Uh, no, I had a Golden Camel t-shirt um, with a good character on it, which, yeah, got recognised, which was quite nice. That's good. Then they, they go outside of the church of what brands they have at USJ. They do appreciate all sorts. But we should also mention there is Minion... Uh, was it Minion Minion Park? Minion Min- yes. Land? Yes. Which is also its own area. Minion's Dominion. Yeah. There is that as well. And, and Amity Island or Am- Amity Cove. Which is kind of Jaws b- and Jurassic Park. That's a really funny one because that yeah. seems to be the old universal stuff. Mm. Because if you go, if you wind back the clock of what used to be at USJ, even a few years ago, there was some older, more classic 1980s kind of popcorn Hollywood film rides that have now disappeared, like Back to the Future's gone. There's a Terminator 2 ride that's recently closed as well um, to make way for other brands, which we'll talk about shortly. We also visited it during its annual Halloween celebrations, the Horror Nights. So a few rides had reskins to fit the horror theme, which we'll come to, because that was quite fun to discover as we went through. So should we start off with our top tens? So... I'm going to go around. So, Steph, I'll start with you, then Jake, then me. What was your number 10, Steph? My number 10 was the Universal Monsters Horror Maze. Legends of Fear. Legends of Fear. Jake, what was your your number 10? My number 10 was the Universal Monsters <laughs> Horror Maze. Legends <laughs> of Fear. Was it Legends of Fear or Legends of Horror? I think. Let me double check what this is. It is Universal Monsters Legends of Fear. Legends of Fear. Not horror, but fear. And 
well, they're universal in many ways because that's my number 10 <laughs> as well. So this was the first of the horror nights um, that we've come to on, on in this top 10, but it wasn't the first one that we went on. And something that we discovered quite quickly was all three of these horror nights reskins were maze based. And why was this number 10 for you, Steph? I, d I like a horror maze. I like the universal monsters. Mm -hmm. um, I don't necessarily think that Dracula, the Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, etc., are deserving of uh, <laughs> grotesque, bizarre, jump scare, maze walkthrough treatment. Yeah. Um, I think I was expecting, I don't really know what I was expecting, to be honest, but not what we got which was about five people dressed as frankenstein at different <laughs> points um some werewolves yeah it was quite random yeah the, the the maze format of ride if you can call it a ride attraction is just a walkthrough you maybe you go through some early theming kind of queuing area this one had hardly any when we went in mm -hmm. and you're just sort of thrown into constant forward progression through corridors where doors open or people just jump out from behind curtains or sometimes there's something nice and interesting in animatronic or whatever which we might come back to but this was one where my first problem is I don't really think of many of those classic universal films they're referencing as legends of fear as you say legends of horror perhaps Jake but not necessarily fear mm. Frankenstein that first movie James Wales not anything to do with fear really um, but it leans into those stereotypes, doesn't it, where it's mm. got Frankenstein's monster tying down Frankenstein and then giving him the uh, <laughs> giving him the shock. Um, yeah, it was probably narratively the loosest thing we did. Yes, I don't think there was really a narrative. Mm -hmm. I think it was more just like a best of these classic monsters. Phantom of the Opera at one point. Yeah. That Came was in quite fun, shouting quite about Christine. <laughs> there was a lot of red velvet curtains and hands coming out of them. And yeah, that was quite good. But um, yeah, not necessarily the the most focused piece that we yeah. enjoyed. I think there's probably a very basic sort of level of, of enjoyment or, or sort of credibility for these sorts of experiences where we happen to be generally in groups of younger Japanese teenage girls who were together and, and when I say together they were actually like holding on to each other going through these rides screaming and I guess it is just you want to just be shocked out of your skin by people running at you um that's what these mazes do this was definitely yeah the the, the worst yeah I think like the, as much as the the makeup and costumes might be fantastic these were like the most stereotypical versions of all of these classic monsters to the point that we've seen them so much, you're never going to be afraid of them. Sure. Should we go on to number nine? Let's do it. Jake, what's your number nine? Uh, so number nine, coming in with Minion Mayhem. Oh. I've actually put this down as Minions of Mayhem, like it's Legends <laughs> of Fear. <laughs> That's my number nine as well, Steph. Yeah. That's also my number nine. We are in complete, yeah, simpatico here, aren't we? Okay. So, so Minion Mayhem... Uh, I had, I, there were strong conversations about it on the subreddits. Oh, really? Um, you knew, you knew there was some approval, but I think the approval came from perhaps more family-focused users. Mm -hmm. um, bonus points, initially pre-ride, because we are all fans of the single rider. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the opportunity to join groups of three or odd numbers and sit 
park yourself on the end and we're not together as a group which is great because you know we all hate each other secretly so an opportunity to sit by ourselves is fantastic so the single rider queue on minion mayhem we got in in i'm going to say less than 10 minutes and the standard queue was 100 so fantastic but world building great your inside Gru's lab lots of screens giving you despicable me backstory it's really dressed up it's looks properly shiny and new which is exactly what it is it is a reskin of back to the future or not a reskin it's a brand new ride but it's taken the place of back to the future but ultimately the ride is you stationary in a vehicle staring at a giant screen um which kind of has this feeling of a mix between the imax and the las vegas sphere i guess it curves around you and throws you into a despicable me plot involving the daughters wanting to get Gru a present for their adoption anniversary, which is quite sweet. And also all of us, meaning everyone in these different carriages, is being part of an experiment to be turned into a minion. Mm-hmm. But it kind of just made me feel motion sick because it was there was no substance to what we were seeing and we'll talk about this with future rides that when you have a grasp on reality like you can see a physical object you can see something tangible that kind of helps you get a grounding as to where you are and disorient you in a nice way whereas this i have no grounding here i'm just staring at this big screen and i'm being thrown around in a in a car essentially and so i I get travel sick at the best of times but this had a story I didn't really care about and was told in a way I didn't really care about either. And told in a language you didn't know. Yes, but I, well, I, can't, I can't knock them for that. <laughs> I can knock myself for that. All, all of the rides were, were, were in Japanese, which meant some of the narr- more narrative-based bits were... Does Minion Mayhem did have subtitles at mm-hmm. points, which some of the others didn't, so yeah. credit to them. Uh, but we lost out on Steve Carell. I have no real experience of the Despicable Me franchise I've not seen any of them so that was lost on me but I did appreciate the theming of the whole area and going into it but it is a very old-fashioned sort of ride in the sense that it's like Star Tours um, the Star Wars based ride that was made in the 1980s I think where you are being shaken about on a staff pretty much static ride with screens in front of you and that's the trick of the eye that makes you feel that you're moving and in this one i think we'll come back to it because you can really feel the sense of these various generations of attraction design some more track based screen based 3d based so most of these were originally 3d and they've recently got rid of that and just gone back to just staring at the big screen but yeah any comments Steph? just that it made me feel sick and Yep, that's it. <laughs> I, I like that uh, the one that made you feel sick is ninth. <laughs> There's so. a lot to be said for not being bored by something. Exactly. <laughs> eighth for you, Steph? My eighth was Sadako's Curse. Ooh, okay, yeah. Um, Jake, what's your number eight? Uh, my number eight is Chucky's Carnival of Chaos. Okay, so this is where we all depart from each other because yes. my number eight is Jaws. Wow, okay, interesting. So let's move on to the next one and once we've ticked one off all our lists we can talk about it. So what's your number seven, Jake? My number seven is Jaws. And your number seven, Steph? My number seven is Jaws. Okay, so let's talk about Jaws. Talking about old-fashioned rides, this is one of the oldest 
um, formats of rides from Universal. If you go to the Universal in America, they'll have a Jaws ride like this. And it is just a pleasant tour around Amity Harbour. And there's a shark. Yeah, pretty much. It was a very sunny day when we went. It was nice to sit down and enjoy like a sunny boat ride with the added theatrics of our boat driver shooting the shark from mm-hmm. Jaws multiple times. Yeah, I had fun with it. Is this maybe the turning point where we go from bad or negative to sort of middling? And this is a solid ride. I, there were some kids on the on the ride with us that were really enjoying it because these want, some of these rides are for your younger kids. They're not all for 15 and 18 up or the taller ones. So this is one where I, I got to give a shout out to the the captain of our ship. She gave a great performance. You were on a different boat to us, Jake, so I don't know how your captain went down, but she had to play that surprise. She had to shoot that petrol tanker to explode the shark. She did it really yeah. well. Yeah, well, I mean, so many of these things, and particularly in the horror mazes we did, it's all in the choreography, like the skill in being able to time stuff every time. And like in the mazes, you're doing the same routine multiple times a minute and trying to really commit to it. And so to be synced up every time on the Jaws ride to know that you've got to hold up your fake shotgun at a certain moment and point it one way and then the other way to accidentally shoot a bullet that's going to accidentally go near a gas canister to launch this fireball. I was really impressed. Um, I thought Jaws was really good fun. Mm-hmm. I think there is there's not a, there's nothing wrong with it because it's not trying to give you something that it isn't. Mm-hmm. It felt more like a like a theme park show as much as it is a coaster because it is on rails and you are moving around. But really great design. I thought the world building was brilliant, and what really helped with this. We were promised a 30-minute single rider queue. <laughs> and I was going to say, less than a minute? We walked in and we were on the boat. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, in a way, that was the greatest thrill. Um, One thing I loved about Jaws, and this is something I will say that's a real positive for it, is I like that sense of tradition and legacy and history that means that there's a Jaws ride, a whole Jaws area, loads of Jaws merchandise, a special hot dog that was shaped like a, a shark eating the, the sausage. Jaws had the best merch on site mm-hmm. we we didn't go for anything ourselves but i mean there was some fantastic jaws merch and i think part of that's down to so many years ago jaws has a brilliant logo that mm-hmm. was created the iconography and, and the yeah. music and everything is so strong yeah um and i say that at this time where it feels like particularly this universal park is bringing in just whatever brands and whatever characters it can i guess despicable me and the minions is one of its newest home brands but you go to disney you know what you're going to get yeah i wonder very clean what what could you possibly reskin that as Mm -hmm. anyway that would have as much popular appeal because it's brilliantly intergenerational and i do love the fact that there are five and six year olds out there that love jaws who have never seen it but they've been on that and jaws is their favorite thing exactly and it's nice it's it's a good start to you're not immediately trying to get kids or the more casual riders just into thrills. It is mm. narrative-based. It is something bit, something different from that. So that's Jaws. By no means a bad one, but that was there. So where were we up to? That was, that was our... That was seven. Seven. Because my number seven, over to me, was Biohazard, the Extreme Plus. Mm. What was yours? No, your number seven, Jake. You're number six now, aren't you? 
Yeah. Um, so my number six was Mario Kart Cooper's Challenge. Rule number six for you, Steph. My number six was Biohazard, the extreme. Okay, so let's roll over to uh, number six for me. My number six was Sadako's Curse. So we've we've both said Sadako's Curse. What's your number five, Jake? Sadako's Curse. Okay. Mm. So this is a reskin of what's usually a space adventure. And which was prior to that, E.T. I, I guess feeding into the story of like what Universal used to be and mm. what it is now. Um and I think a really good reskin of that. It, usually you're traveling around the solar system or the universe going from planet to planet. It's a indoor ride where you're being zoomed between different dioramas inside. But the twist here is this is a cursed ride at the research, um, was it Paranormal Research Department? The, the Occult Research Lab. Who have got hold of the videotape from the ring. Uh, but... There's, there's there are two scientists and the female scientist has been semi possessed by Sadako and wants to let her loose within the research facility and so you are thrown onto this escape pod being shot out of the the tunnels out to safety and I will say so so what's great there's the thing is entire almost in entire darkness as you're spinning around and going through these tunnels and that's a great idea if you're going to reskin a an entire ride why not just cover that up by making it all entirely dark well it's it's only a, a partial reskin as well yeah. so it's just i think until january or something. yeah exactly so it's for it's for the halloween horror nights yeah. and i'll say that this is definitely colored by the single rider experience which we might come back to which is that when we are going into single rider you're then paired with with this one each car held three people but you are facing you are facing the opposite ways that in pairs so i was sat next to a, a teenage girl whose two friends were behind her and she was just having a whale of a time and we just kind of kept catching glances at each other what uh, in those moments of flashes of light halfway through we had a fist bump at the end uh, so that definitely colored this for me i had a great time on this ride even though it's quite a minimalist one quite effective one maybe yeah i think so and great use of screens like there was only a few moments that you see throughout but just little snippets where you've had some really strong horror acting from the researchers and where you've got the the trapped screaming guy who's mm -hmm. you can see is being projected onto what would have been like a nebula or right. something you can see the silhouette of it but they've they've done a great job bodging this one to yeah. fit and i i can't help but admire it i also love it feels like quite a deep 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 hole to have a ring ride um at something as big as universal um it's quite good to be in that universe any comments on Sadako, Steph? Just that I kind of wish that I had seen the space version of it. Yeah, I think we um, all felt that afterwards. Didn't yeah, we? The, the, but I enjoyed it. The kind of ride in the dark. Yeah. Um, like you, I had a, a buddy who was also enjoying the ride who I didn't know. Uh, so I feel like, you know, it's not the escape from Sadako's Curse. It's the friends we made exactly. along the way. I think what's really funny is that I think we were in, we were on three successive carts, weren't we? Because the, the carts turned around, rotated... At various points, I could see Jake in front of me, and various points, I could see you, you behind me, Steph. So we just caught every now and then just had a. There was a bit at the end where it just you just stopped in darkness, and our two carts were just having some sort of like conversation between yeah. each other. They were shouting things out and <laughs> screaming and applauding. Um, definitely a fun one, enlivened by the by the fellow travellers. So that was that was number Sadako's six. curse. Does that mean we're moving on to five now? Yes. 
Yeah. So that was your five. Did you just, have you said your five? I so haven't. What's My your five? number five was the Mario Kart Cooper's Challenge. Right. My number five is the Flying Dinosaur. So I'll uh, move over to number four, Jake. My number four is Biohazard. Have we all said Biohazard, the we Extreme have. Plus? Yeah, yeah. Ding, ding, ding. So this is the second of the three mazes for ha- the Horror Nights um, that, we're, that we're yet to talk about. The first one we went in. So we're up to you, Jake. So tell us about Biohazard. It's the Resident I, Evil franchise. Yeah. So and this was, definitely, this was definitely helped by the fact it was our first one. And I've never done anything like this. I've done the Black Mirror Maze at Thorpe Park, which is a, a terrible mirror maze with like an AI who hacks your mind and it's rubbish. But uh, this was something brand new for me. And I've watched Resident Evil. We played over the shoulder of people. And I know that to be spooky and scary and have lots of iconic stuff. Um, like um, umbrellas and raccoons and things that I'm not confident talking about. Um, but I thought this was a whole heap of fun. Um, we were thrown in to Leon's route. There were two different routes Leon and that could take you around the maze. And I thought makeup effects here, really strong. I'm sure fans of the franchise would recognize some bulbous creature uh, that we that surprised us and we were able to gun him down. Um, we had some characters that walked with the purpose that suggests they are iconic characters. <laughs> um, and it just seemed to get lots of great reactions from people. And I really liked, compared to the other horror mazes, the interactivity with it. Because that was the thing it didn't have. The other ones didn't have that. Sometimes we were passive and we were more explorative. And other times we were being told what to do or we, we were picking up a gun and firing it. And so for me, as a, as a first entry into this kind of hybrid uh, walking adventure, a great time. And actually, maybe the highlight of the whole thing, Steph <laughs> screeching like a banshee <laughs> when the first terrible creature turned a corner. It was a, it was a great howl. And uh, it appeared many times throughout the journey. And uh, I, I loved hearing it. Yeah, I really liked this one, but I had to I had to push it down the list because it was too scary for me. <laughs> and I don't think I would ever do it again. Um, Resident Evil is so scary. And putting people in a basically like amazing makeup and prosthetics and stuff. Just, yeah, it was very effective. Um, my heart was racing at the end. Yeah, this was one where, again, probably because we'd booked an express ticket where you get your timed slots for some of these rides. You're, you don't have much in the way of a queuing experience to psych yourself up for it. We were just sort of thrown into a group, which I'm pretty sure had six people to begin with, and two of them just disappeared <laughs> immediately. <laughs> and then you push through a door, and then suddenly there are zombies, and they're being pushed through forward momentum. And yeah, it does have... This is one where there were more human actors, maybe, than some of the other mazes, where um, they were lip syncing to recorded dialogue all in Japanese so we weren't really getting much of it but you you do get to see Ava Wong turns up and then lots of baddies from this is basically based on Resident Evil 2 which had a, a big remaster and re-release a couple of years ago and is kind of a fan favorite of the franchise although I still think in the moment you have no idea what's really going on you're just being pushed from one thing to another and then suddenly there's 
uh, animatronic Leon Kennedy fighting like a big boss at one point. And then, yeah, we were firing light guns at a massive screen and then the lights cut out and then the lights come back on and there's actual massive hulking actor playing that um, that big villain, which, yeah, lots of fun. Apparently, you could lose this game. I think oh. that might be what the plus is, that maybe they redid it a year later and made it so you can't lose. Because <laughs> one aspect of the Resident Evil games is that at the end of every chapter, you get rated on various um, gameplay you know, attributes and then get a rank for every chapter. And we were all given cards on the way out saying we got S plus rank. I'm like, we did not get S plus rank. <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were all get eaten if we were actually playing it. <laughs> but yes, Steph, your, your reaction was priceless. Shall we move on to the next one? So where were we then? So who just who just read out? Jake's number four was Biohazard. So my number four was The Amazing Adventures of Spider-Man. Have you done your number four? My number four was The Chucky's Carnival of Chaos. Great. Okay, oh, so amazing. we're now on to threes. What was your three, Jake? Uh, my number three was The Flying Dinosaur. Okay. Your number three, Steph? My number three was the spider-man oh wow so really split now okay so my number three was chucky's carnival of chaos so have we all said chucky yet chucky because i thought this was a riot i loved this and everything you just said jake about resident evil fans might find details and things that they enjoy i wouldn't even really call myself much of a fan of the child's play slash chucky franchise but i've seen a good deal of the films particularly the ones that this one's pulling from which is the sort of 21st century run of films from Bride to Seed to Curse to Cult uh, of Chucky and we knew as we were walking in we walked through the door and there was a poster because you're going to a carnival and it says this carnival starring Chucky and Tiffany his wife and also his you know um, child Glenn slash Glenda um, and we just know them because the the, the um, the Chucky films have a sort of slightly transgressive camp quality, quite fun value to them. So I knew that this wasn't just going to be fully jump, jump scares nonsense. There was going to be some fun to it as well. And this one was just full of those details. I almost to the point where I wish there wasn't the forward momentum. There were some rooms where I was like, "Ooh, what's this poster in the corner? I want to actually look at that. Or we saw, we got, again, we were behind some very jumpy uh, young women. And they go through a curtain and you kind of see between them that a character dressed up as Tiffany, who's the Jennifer Tilly character, comes out of a, of, a, of a curtain and they jump and scream. And by the time we go in, she's hidden again. And she's like, come back out, please. <laughs> We're scared, Rose, we want to see you. Um, so this one had a lot of fun and a lot of detail and some of that narrative stuff that the other mazes lacked for me. I really enjoyed it. I uh, I think may- maybe I was in a bad position in this that I missed so much stuff. You were behind us, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, and so a lot of the big moments, I was walking past an empty curtain or an empty <laughs> hole in the wall. And then the thing that frustrated me on this was I think the timings were slightly off or they hadn't quite figured out the best way of playing it because at multiple points, staff had to come in to organise everyone to make sure they're staying in the same spot, which makes you just think okay so we have to stay here for a bit because something's being set up to come out here at the right time and so it just it didn't have the best flow for me and also i don't really have any connection to the chucky series so it it didn't really do much but then again i don't really for resident evil and that Mm -hmm. one kind of worked 
Um, but I, I can gather with Chucky that if you're into this stuff, that maze must have been full of wonderful treasures. And we have someone here who's into that stuff, right? <laughs> you've, you've watched a few of them, you said. I've watched all of them right. many times. <laughs> um, yeah, this was so much fun just to see, like you said, Michael, just seeing all of those little bits and the weird fangirl vibes that I got from myself from seeing Chucky like why but okay (laughs) he's there that was a really great bit it's really exciting it gave me like when i was like really young and i went to like mr blobby land and saw mr blobby for the first time like just oh my god he's real and he exists and he's here to entertain me um yeah i had a good time i think there was like some slight timing issues and it probably would have been a bigger favorite if yeah. the timing was kind of worked out maybe if we've been also clinging to each other and walking all at the same speed like the girls in front you can't of us. really go three abreast can you no. really through that stuff um but yeah i had fun with it i wasn't quite as scared but i, I kind of enjoyed the jumps and the thrills and all the like yeah. weird grotesque stuff that was going on it was very like unhinged um which for, i really for enjoyed me it, was, it, was, it was like it had that perfect quality that um maybe some of the higher entries might have as well which is um it made me realize how much i loved the franchise that it was you know pulling from mm. and i was really excited there's a bit right at the end where um oh somebody should say it was th- this did have 3d and you were given glasses and we i very quickly discarded mine because i it was like blurring my vision and wanted to, i wanted to see everything but there's a bit where you throw the 3d glasses in a bin at the end and it's in front of what looks like a portrait Oh no, it's such a glass case with yeah. Tiffany inside. And I was in the process of saying, Steph, turn around, let's have to do a quick selfie. <laughs> and it opened. <laughs> and was there a Glenn inside or yeah. something? Just for one final scare. <laughs> so they got me there. <laughs> good good scares all around. Um so that was my number three. Have you said your number three, Steph? Yes, my number three was the Spider Man ride. And your number three, Jake, was Flying Dinosaur. Okay, so let's go over to number two. Um, my number two is Mario Kart King Cooper's Challenge. Wow, okay. I thought you were quite cool on that one. Well, when I hastily wrote this top ten while we were waiting for Yakitori to, <laughs> to arrive, this is one where I really just think that the theming and the context, this will live in my mind more than all the other rides just because all of the stuff leading up to the ride was absolutely astounding this is our way of bundling super nintendo world into the conversation yeah but i also think that some of my favorite rides like the tower of terror haunted mansion or phantom manor as it is in paris it's just as much the stuff around the ride as the exact ride itself so yes this is the mario kart ride within super nintendo world and i guess we should say like the actual ride itself none of us were really that hot on it it were, you I mean, some of us were hot shit at playing it because maybe one of us got the high score. You got the highest score. <laughs> but this was one where, um, like a couple of the other ones we'll talk about, it was a mixture of 3D projected um, elements with physical. You were, you were on a track going through physical sets. And however, you were wearing a visor and you had pop-ups um, sort of augmented reality pop-ups on it and you had a wheel, you were four to a cart you had to turn at various points to simulate like you're playing Mario Kart you had triggers where you could shoot shells at other baddies or other racers and it was just so busy and I 
was frustrated because I wanted to enjoy the actual architecture of the ride and it just was very chaotic and busy. However, what I did love was for the 25 minutes, half an hour before you even get in the cart, you go through King Cooper or Bowser's castle and it's just full of great details from seeing all of the trophies from various Mario Kart races and courses, seeing King Cooper's library and the sort of copywriting um, job that someone had to put little books in his library um, was was really what fun. Was some, so I, I enjoyed becoming the princess inside. Yeah. <laughs> and the one was the princess is always in another castle. It felt like <laughs> another sort of philosophical self-help yeah. or a, a examination book. Um, or th- there were just so many that we t- I took so many pictures of that. Of that. Um, Captain Toad, a treasure hunter's story. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love all that stuff. So that pushed this up so far for me because I think I'll be thinking about that more than most things we actually experienced um, today. But we could talk about Super Nintendo World in general. Yeah. Well, I think... I was approaching this listing very much from the ride experience and that's maybe why this one um, didn't get to the very top because I think it was really fun and it was really different. I've never done anything like it, but I was so like instantly focused on the gameplay that I can't really remember much of what the world was like. There was a great bit where you have right there's a cloud break and then you end up on rainbow road and oh yeah it does like in those moments you feel like you are in the game but prior to that i don't it was like this was only what six hours ago that we did this i can't actually remember much of what happened in the game um game right (laughs) (laughs) um but super nintendo world as a whole was great like the immersion and i think we'll probably talk about this in in another ride is like that aspect of these uh kind of contained worlds within the wider theme park and the skill that they have at making them feel separate and super nintendo world has this where you initially are just walking up a path like any other path and then you walk through a familiar green pipe and then from the other side of the green pipe you are within peach's castle from Super Mario 64 and the music is playing that you know from being in exactly that setting and being in that position and the the framed pictures on the wall are the same that you're used to seeing and you walk out of the castle into this amazing glade of green green cubes (laughs) and there it is and you are in a Mario game and all the things that you're used to moving in the way that they do like, like shells moving between boxes and the the granite square things i don't know what they called like jumping up and down and i thought yeah theming here was unparalleled like i've never seen anything like that like it was really special just to be in there um so if we were yeah if we were marking on theming world it would be much higher yeah i think that um they do such a good job of hiding it around the park like you can just see like a little flag Mm. poking up from various places and then walking through peach's castle and then seeing that kind of vista is just amazing so good i think yeah i'm the same in terms of if we were ranking it by the whole area it would be probably the highlight but just by ride it's what i imagine if you were actually 
in, in playing Mario, Mario Kart. Kart for real would be very overwhelming and confusing <laughs> and <laughs> not like racing at all. Um, but yeah, just just too many things going on. It's probably a ride that gets better with time. Like mm-hmm. maybe the tenth time you go on it, it's amazing because you know exactly how it all plays out and you can co- you can experience the world and play the game. How many times can you go on a ride though? In your lifetime, we have to revisit ten times. <laughs> I'm ju- I've just pulled I up. I can do that. I've just pulled up my photos in my gallery, and I because so, I took so many of them, and it's just oh, so good. Because you go in and you're greeted by the massive stone statue of mm-hmm. Bowser. You go round, and then you have the portraits, and then you have all the trophies. You have this study slash library, which we were just sort of pouring over because you'll be queuing there for a long time, even if you do have a time ticket. And there's so many sort of trinkets on the table, so many references, but it it all homes in on getting ready for the race, and it's all the strategies, and it's Team Cooper versus Team Mario uh, going for the Universal Trophy for Mario Kart, and so you're being introduced to all of these aspects of that aren't in the Mario Kart games, which is like how do they prepare. And he's got a big open book, which is like how to complete Rainbow Road, mm-hmm. and um, then you go through and the sort of staging area is themed as uh, oh, it's a TV studio. And it's MKTV, Mario Kart TV. And it's announcing all of the races like it's a football squad or starting grid kind of stuff. And I was just like, and then you, I was blown away by that kind of stuff. That was really the fanboy aspect for me. And then you go into a final room and there's a moment of absolute horror where you have all of the racers kits lined up so you have like the you know the racing outfits for mario and peach luigi toad and then yoshi and you realize that yoshi's helmet in this fictional universe is his face (laughs) so he's got to wear a yoshi face on his own face um Oh, I was just so blown away by all of that stuff. I was still riding a high of it and then disappointed by the ride, I'll agree. Yeah. But Super Nintendo World, uh, more than anything, because we talked about this before, I think, maybe even on the Japan uh, miniseries back in 2019 when we went to Tokyo Disney Sea, where it's amazing how you can subtly go from one region to another and it's suddenly you're in somewhere else. But this felt like you'd really had gone through a portal into a whole other world. Just the, the bright colours and the everything mario oh so good okay so super nintendo world out of this world the ride not so much so that was my number two have we done your number two steph so my number two was harry potter and the forbidden journey and jake your number two the amazing adventures of spider-man is that the correct name I think that was, right? Yeah. Oh, no, um, it's now The Amazing Adventures so Spider-Man of Spider-Man. In 4D, four D, the ride. <laughs> no, 4K, 3D, the ride. <laughs> I think we've all said that one now, haven't we? So that's my number four, your number three, Steph, and your number two. So mm-hmm. take it away, Jake. You're the big fan. Um, just, just a great load of fun. I mean, this feels like... I think part of what I liked about this was from a setting point of view, this was a Spider-Man piece of... I'm going to say content that was not related to any of the kind of bogged down 21st century antics of Spider-Man. I say 21st century post Maguire stuff where things, yeah, yeah I do. it felt cartoonish and silly and fun and just like a very enjoyable superhero romp that you were thrown into the middle of. 
and a great hybrid ride. And so that was something that I teased was missing from Minions, where I just felt like I was watching a giant cinema screen whilst being made to feel sick. <laughs> this was the fact you were strapped into this vehicle called the Scoop, yeah. which was a vehicle for investigating news. <laughs> and around the city of New York, Doc Ock has created an anti-gravity gun and he's flinging everything around the city and he's kidnapped the Statue of Liberty and along with Electro and Green Goblin and someone with Venom? Scream. Scream. One of the symbiotes, the sort of sexy lady symbiote. Okay. Um, Are terrorizing the city. And so in the scoop vehicle, you are on a track and then you move through in this dark space a combination of really nice... Uh, set designed New York that's kind of gnarly and graffiti and kind of like like 80s, 90s New York. It's not hip and trendy in any way and it's not trying to be. And then between those sets, it beautifully merges with these ginormous screens where these characters will fling themselves onto the hood of your car or throw a uh, an explosion, exploding, what are those goblins things called? His, his lanterns that he throws yeah. and so he'll throw it from the screen but then it will explode through a real brick and you'll feel the heat and the flame from that and so really I think I loved the creativity here and the fact that I was we got into a habit with all these rides where Michael would give us trivia and facts and <laughs> context before we're going on just to hype us up and this one came out in 1999 and mm-hmm. it won loads of awards for 10 years or so. And I can see why. Because even now, like, we've got it at number two here. Like, we all had a brilliant time. And this thing's 24 years old. And it doesn't feel dated. Mm-hmm. Like, it felt like... It felt more inventive than the thing that was brand new a couple of years ago with the Minions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just a fantastic time. Yeah, it re- really gets to the heart that what we liked was... It's hybrid, not necessarily one or the other. And I love that it, it's kind of similar to Super Nintendo World. That you really did just get immersed in this cartoon comic book world. It seemed like it was the late '90s animated series that you were going into, which was a little bit, little bit naff. But um, the sets really did have that big, blocky designs and colours, and it was really, really great. And also quite a thrill ride as well. You, you're kind of surprised when you are really thrown around mm. by it. Such a nice universe to be in. For sure. I think as well, you know that you're going to get swung like you're Spider-Man at some point, which is like the bit that you're like waiting for, right? But I think they time it really well that they give you all some other thrills that you're not expecting before they let you have the big swing and fall. It's, it was super thrilling. I mm. really liked this one. Yeah, and as you say, Jake, it, it has a sort of fun and freedom and freewheeling nature to it that Spider-Man hasn't had on the big screen. It's so happy to be cartoony and comic booky and have strange outsized characters because Hydro-Man's in there as well. Did you mention him? No, He's the guy that turns up. We got there. splash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you can't really imagine them being so goofy um, with Spider-Man on the big screen. Even the animated Spider-Man has a certain sort of coolness to him, right? With the Spider-Verse films, it's not as goofy really. But yeah, really fun really great so was that all of us have we all said number two now Mm -hmm. 
You said your number two was yeah, Steph. Yeah, my number two was the Harry Potter Forbidden Journey. And what's your number one, Jake? My number one is Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey. My number one is Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey. Okay, so that means that you and I have given that number one to Forbidden Journey and Steph, you must have given it to the Flying Dinosaur. Yeah. Okay, what, do, what should we dive into? Should we go Flying Dinosaur because it's got the one vote at the top? Yeah, okay. All right, Steph, mount your defence <laughs> for a ride that I do really like. <laughs> <laughs> you should say I enjoyed like everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, the end of the day... I just love big roller coasters. <laughs> that is basically my defense that um, I spent most of my childhood, like once a year, me and my dad would go to one of the big theme parks in the UK. Um, like the year that I was finally tall enough to go to Thought Park was like the best, <laughs> the best day that I'd had up to that point. Um, and I was still wearing shoes that were like slightly platformy so that I could get on everything. Um, and it just, yeah, like this ride just made me feel that like I was 12 again and just experiencing something like that for yeah. the first time again. It was so thrilling. I don't think you would have gone it when you were 12 because it's like the most extreme ride, right? And it's also very specific in terms of the dimensions you have to be because you're suspended. Yeah, maybe I wouldn't have been tall enough still. My my main problem was that I was quite short, so yeah. yeah. But this, so to describe this, this is a suspended ride where you are s sitting in a chair with a you know a harness around you, and it come, whatever, the barrier comes down over you, and then before you're ejected onto the ride, the the whole you know, cart of four. Do you, were you, how how was yeah, this four. one? Yeah, four. Then moves backwards and up so you're like just free you know free hanging almost looking straight at the ground your legs are braced as well so unlike air nemesis and those sorts of rides where your legs are free your, your legs are tight i thought this I, I gave this number five um only because he's gonna say theming no, I'm not actually. <laughs> no, because I, I. You did I, say as we were going around and we got to the lock, could be better. Like, What's the theming here? Because it's meant to be kind it's of Jurassic a Park. Flying dinosaur that's no. escaped from the lab. They've also haven't given it a name, which is annoying. Like it could be a Velociraptor or something, but it's just it's just the flying dinosaur. It sounds like a children's book. Yeah. Um, no, because because I, I think one my favorite ride when we did Tokyo Disney Sea or one of my favorite rides was the Indiana Jones ride, which doesn't really have much necessary theming to it um and same with paris I, I i quite like a really good roller coaster my problem with this is that it was a bit it's so thrilling yeah. <laughs> <laughs> damn straight <laughs> <laughs> um and so fast and it is pure adrenaline as a ride but i just sometimes like a bit of breath a bit of dynamics to be able to, particularly when you're an outside ride and a very high ride, you kind of go up to a very tall point. There's like one brief second where you can see everything. And when you read the um, the advisory as you're queuing, and it's like people who are afraid of heights, people who are afraid of this and that and the other, you're like, actually, there's never a point where it registered to me that I was actually very high because I was just being thrown around so fast mm -hmm. and so quick. Afraid of the dark. There was a bit where you go in the dark, but it was like yeah. over so quickly that um, um, I couldn't really 
ease into the thrills. I guess it was just like so it's the same. There's that one in Thorpe Park when we went, Jake, which was the in- incredibly fast one, the one that's themed around a Formula One racer, which is amazing, but it's just the speed. But I yeah, really good thrill ride, absolutely. I think I like to feel as I'm being strapped into the chair, like, have I made a huge mistake? <laughs> That's the best yep. feeling. And then 20 seconds later when you're off the ride, you're like, that, that was the best decision I've ever made. I did have a really good fist bump with the Japanese dad next to me. Which is good. <laughs> I thought um, this was really good fun. I think the physical exertions it had created new sensations that I haven't had before because of the structure of the ride. And that being on a roller coaster where the point of weight on your body is your chest Mm -hmm. felt really different and a kind of added a strange kind of not claustrophobia but i don't know like the the tightness of it felt like you really you could not escape this thing even if you tried which (laughs) added to the danger i think and being on because you're lowered and just you're, you're looking downwards meaning that you are when you hit a loop you'll be on the outside of the loop rather than on the inside of the loop. So you have these sections where you're almost like you're cartwheeling and, and all you can see is the sky and there's nothing else. And it was a lovely, clear blue sky. So either from a sensation point of view, this was really brilliant. And to look down in the last few moments and see that my necklace had come out from my T-shirt. And so I was like hanging and looking down. And um, that was like even added to the jeopardy of it. Um, yeah but but i thought this was great and it did allow us to have the moment where we walk under the sign for jurassic park Mm -hmm. as if we are about to enter and richard attenborough's about to say welcome to (laughs) it was fantastic you had the best sign of the day as well where it said please remove all wigs and hair pieces (laughs) i'd love to know how many wigs have been lost (laughs) on that ride so should we talk potter let's do it so this is how we started the day so the good people at r slash roller coasters um had almost laid out an itinerary that was uh, really really helpful but essentially said if, if you want to prioritize anything forbidden journey flying dinosaur they can be got to relatively quickly next to each other and if you're there early you can get them both done really quickly and i think well the park was open at half seven mm-hmm and we had done both of these by quarter past eight. Yeah, so efficient. Yeah. And so we, the gates open, we leg it through to, there's a pile of rocks and some elm trees. We walk through the path by the elm trees and much like Super Nintendo World where this thing just emerges. And it's this amazing trick of the eye where it's a, admittedly large, but it is a model of Hogwarts from Harry Potter. But it's scaled so perfectly that you just feel like you're you've turned a corner round in a forest and there it is in all its glory and in front of it you've got hogsmeade and the wand shop and the sweet shop and the hogwarts express and the butterbeer station and all of it like the instant immersion was brilliant and the music cues for that franchise are so familiar and so like deeply ingrained in me as being someone that was going through watching those films and reading those books at the same age as the characters that i couldn't help like you you saw me when i was there i was like 
like something like suddenly clicked uh, you were able like, to place the, the score playing in the background the exact moment of the film yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so we, we wander through well i say wander we didn't have time to wander we've we power so, walk. yeah we actually came back to the world later just to actually look at all the details that we'd missed um and so we run through the village and then we enter the queue for the forbidden journey which takes you on a, this maze through hogwarts which was great so we go through rooms that have got the talking uh, paintings and we've got a common room area and then we uh, weirdly we have to enter the lockers which i don't remember from the films um but drop off all of our things into these lockers so that we can come back out and sit on what i think <laughs> what i think the ride should have been called the enchanted bench <laughs> and so because everything was in japanese and wasn't subtitles um we did actually have to look up the plot after the fact and there <laughs> wasn't really much plot really was there yeah. but from a i don't know from a structural point of view from a creative point of view this was unlike anything in the park unlike anything that i've done i mentioned that amazing spider-man had hybrid stuff going on but the, where you you're either with a screen or on a track but this was we found out afterwards was on a, a single robot arm mm -hmm. that could essentially fling you in any direction give you any momentum that it wanted and so to we were rushed through flu powder f from one location at hogwarts to the next and then we were being chased by a dragon and then we were in a quidditch match and then we were in the chamber of secrets all through this incredible mixture of uh 4k screens that were wrapping around us sense feelings uh like the heat from a dragon's breath and feeling as well like you're on a coaster mm -hmm. that was the thing that amazed me that we were never on a track mm -hmm. that but there were sections of it particularly when you're in a credit quidditch match and you're rattling down the side of the arena and you feel like you've got kind of a juddering beneath you and it's like it was amazing how much it translated that artificiality into a really authentic feeling mm -hmm. um so from a yeah creative point of view but that immersive point of view as well uh, really brilliant and it had all the cast members in there interacting with you as well albeit dubbed <laughs> but yeah i think uh, for me a very well deserved number one spot for the first ride of the day as well yeah it was all downhill <laughs> from gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think i've talked a lot about ride history and bored you with it in queues but as like the modern version of what a dark ride could be and when we were at disney do we call it a dark ride so the classic version of that is where you go into a big warehouse like structure go on a track and then you will go through a retelling of um, a certain film certain story or as a jam on the themes and locations of that so peter pan being one and then E.T. being a, a sort of a slightly more a later spin on it. This one felt like a really great evocation of what people love about those films in a way that was thrilling and did mix up technology in a really interesting way. Yeah, so I, I love this one. Yeah, a lot of really good fun. Very magical. Yeah, like you said about the kind of finding out that it was just a big robot arm <laughs> doing everything afterwards kind of made it even more so. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was the magic. It was. That was the magic. Yeah, it was so, so impressive. Um, I've really never 
encountered anything like that before um and i was a little bit worried that the amount of like vr 3d etc that we were in for on this day was just going to end in me not being able to go on anything anymore because i felt too motion sick but actually um yeah it's just done so so well i think because you have that your eyes are doing work but also you're feeling the motions as well um yeah great stuff and very impressive big spider mm. models as well some really nice models it was quite scary mm-hmm. yeah we got a lot of horror out of this day how very fitting for a trip in october while the halloween horror nights is going on so yeah universal studios japan thumbs up i vaguely remember when we, when we came to tokyo disney sea last year there was this vague feeling of there being some standout moments but overall it wasn't an essential experience that you'd want to repeat but how are we feeling admittedly the evening of but how are you feeling about usj i would 100 percent go back i should say also that i got a sticker from we all got stickers yeah yeah we all got stickers of the spider-man ride from a a host who was nearby and had a a little bum bag full of stickers so i think if we return my mission is to get more stickers and a picture (laughs) picture different areas picture with pikachu next time and a picture with pikachu yes that would be great yeah i mean i i have to agree with the guy in bar six blue (laughs) he said that japan loves usj and he wasn't lying like the atmosphere there was fantastic like everyone was just absolutely buzzing all the time and it was it was really funny that once it got to early afternoon and the families with kids that had been there at seven and you just saw all these prams with like toddlers that were asleep being Mm -hmm. rolled around um and i mean that was us a few hours later we were that knackered but I mean, Japan loves USJ. We loved USJ. It was yeah. it was a great day. Because as we were leaving, we then had in the opposite direction, kids coming straight from school, people coming straight from work to go and have their horror nights. That mm-hmm. was really fun to see. Like, it was still... You can understand how this is one of the most visited attractions in the world. Yeah. What great. What a great and very cultured start to mm-hmm. our trip <laughs> around Japan. We'll be recording again later in the week. We'll have... I think, Jake, you've got a few top tens you want us to go through. Well, I, I think that that could be fun. I think with Ghibli Park, I mean, that could well be a two-hour episode if USJ, something entirely unrelated to our podcast, has managed to almost creep up to an hour and ten minutes. God knows what the Ghibli Park one will be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we've got Ghibli Park plans. Who who knows what else might happen? There's so much on the itinerary. It is an hour-by-hour hour spreadsheet that we're working from. So yeah, top ten train lines. <laughs> top ten food mm. top 10 uh, snacks in the lawson or the 7-eleven or oh, who knows let's see what we'll land on next but this is it for the usj episode uh thanks listeners for tuning in um we should also say thanks to the hotel higashiyama for uh, putting us up in t- in kyoto um we're gonna go and have a nice long night's sleep after our thirty thousand step day you say that long night's sleep we well, all no, know that the alarm is going are, off very early and we're heading to a shrine at half past six. We are up in five hours and 57 minutes yes. <laughs> to meet the call time. Brilliant. Um, but for now, listeners, thanks for, thanks for joining us. We'll speak to you next time. Produced by Michael Leader, Jake Cunningham, Harold McShill, and Steph Watts. Our music is by Anthony Ng.
Hello, Hello we're Austin, Austin and Finian, and, and we're, we're going, going to talk, talk about Universal Studios Japan, Japan. our least favourite rides to our favourites. Um, uh, so, our uh, least favourite, remember this is our, all our own opinion, was freeze weighted ideas. It was like a waltz where you were spinning around on ice. And if you're really not a thrill seeker, I really don't think it's worth queuing for. Now, if you're not, if you are a thrill seeker, it's not worth queuing for. Right, yeah. our next ride... Yeah, it was Minions. Is, Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was Minions. So, Yossi's Adventure was, um... It was... It was like a viewing. It was like a viewing point in Mario, where you were, like, going round, and it was... It and was, you used eggshells for points. So, Flight to the Hippogriff is next. And this was actually a really fun ride, but, but it was, it was really, really short. short. Yeah, we Yeah, we so it's really short. Jinx. Yeah. Um, so, you go up... And then you do a massive drop down, and then you curve round and do lots of spins. But I don't think only it's like eight seconds. I don't think it's worth queuing for. Our dad was like over the height so, of um one point one point nine five. So you went and Chucky's Carnival of Chaos and Universal Monsters and Universal Monsters, which we won't talk about. So um, next was Minions Mayhem. Um, I thought this was quite a fun, nice ride. It's just that the talking. If you're a thrill, yeah, there was way too much talking at the start. The if you're a thrill seeker. I think it's okay for you. Like, yeah. So was there was like a loop the loop in it and you did a massive drop and there was that stuff was funny in it. Yeah, but that was, not the best ride. It's not the best ride. Um, number, number five, five is Jaws. Remember, this is our own personal opinion. Uh, so what you're doing so is... So No, can I talk about Jaws? <laughs> um, right. So there was a staff at the end of the boat that was like... It was like... Um, she was screaming all the time. No, she was like... She was like, <laughs> yes, uh, entertainment. It, it, it looked, yeah, it was entertainment at the start, but then she got a phone call that there's a shark in the pond. Yeah. And it actually made you think that she didn't know. And the shark looked so real, but it was actually robotic. And when she kept shooting guns at him, it was. It like, all splashed you on your face. So, yeah, wait, and let me talk about uh, Sadako's Curse, okay? Yeah. So, Austin didn't really find this suitable ride for the story of it because it's based off the ring. Uh, when the man jumps out of the TV and all the wow and stuff. But it's a roller coaster that's in the dark when it's spinning around. And you're like going around and doing a few drops, and there's a rainbow tunnel in the, minute of the, in the middle of the ride. Like he said, it's usually space. Yeah, it's usually called Space Fantasy, but it turns When you're circus. whizzing around planets, that's quite fun. Um, but we didn't do that. Yeah, so number seven. Next is Mario Kart. Um, I actually also think. Mario Kart is number eight, uh, but we put number eight because Finian liked Amazing Adventures of Spider-Man more. But let's, but do let's just do Mario Kart. So you so, were on a VR. Yeah, you were on a VR. And, and you were spinning around and you were like shooting eggshells at Bowser and going through clouds. And at the end, you did a massive rainbow road run. And, yeah, that was fun. So can I talk about Amazing yes. Adventures of Spider-Man in 4K 3D? So you had 3D glasses at the start. The queue, the queuing was very entertaining. Wait, it was. Oh yeah, it was. It, it was. And it was really massive. The queue. But the ride, um, you was like sent on missions by Spider Man, and you could see different bad guys uh, from Marvel coming yeah, out of you. Also, at you. Yeah. and it actually felt like so. You know the Waterman. I don't know his name because I'm not a giant right. fan of Marvel. But you know his name. It actually. Well, when he attacked you, it, it splashed you with water. There was also fire shooting at you, which, like, 
it actually felt like fire. There was someone shooting bombs and it came for a building. And then at one bit, you got lifted up a building and at the end you dropped down. Okay, so down. nine, Hollywood's dream. And you might be noticing, it's the queue is always massive. It, someone on YouTube said it, there was like three hours. But we were quite lucky, actually. It was only about 40 minutes. Oh, by the way, Flight of the Epigraph, I forgot to mention, it's Harry Potter. Yes. Anyway, so Hollywood dream. Um, uh, you can either do normal ride or backdrop. So, no, wait, so I know... We went normal. Uh, there's a big drop and then Can I it's endless. Else? Yeah. It, so, it's a drop that is 44 metres. And then you got, you're zooming around at 60, no, 56 miles an hour. And you go over the front entrance of Universal Studios and then you go back round. And then you also go over a pond and spin around. I would recommend to do this at night because the lights are actually incredible. Yeah. Okay, so last one. Harry Potter and the, the Forbidden Journey. Journey. This <laughs> is a brilliant ride. It's like a VR thing. Um, they're all speaking Japanese, so if you're English, then it's fine. Um, but um, if you're the queue, if you're going it to like a, at the start, Hermione Granger is like um, San Ni Ichi, and then you, you go and then no, no. and then. You go down. It's and more then... of a roller coaster than a ride. So at some bits you get a roller coaster is a ride though. Oh yeah, that's true. And you get at one bit. This is really cool. You get dunked into like a screen room, and you're flying around Quidditch and playing Quidditch. You're also going to Spider, and Voldemort appears in some areas. And it's it's just really cool. So thank you for listening. Oh, no wait, there's one more ride. One more ride. Okay. Uh, which is I didn't go on this one, not because I was scared. But it's just that, uh, you know, the thing is, uh, I, it, the queue was too big. So this is Flying Dinosaur. You get dunked into a cave head first and lots of stuff. So, yeah. Okay, that, that, that was the Flying Dinosaur. So thank you for listening to our radio blog. I, um, I forgot for Finn to mention the Flying Dinosaur. Yeah. Um, thank you for listening. And, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for watching. No, not watching, <laughs> listening. So, yeah, that's our radio blog. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.